my mind tends to work as a sprinter. I am awesome at jumping in head first <laughs> and wanting to do all the things, mm-hmm. sometimes to my own detriment. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to Wish I'd Known Then podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week on the show, we have Claire Kohler. We do. And y'all, it is such a good interview. I mean, she is amazing. She's just amazing. I love the interview. So good. Yeah. We talked a little bit about her. She writes Scottish fantasy romance. We talked about that. And um, she's neurodivergent. uh, neurodivergent. And we talked about that too, like how she has used that as a superpower sometimes for her writing, the positives and negatives, and how she's helping other people with that know that they can write and -hmm. they can write a book and um, very inspiring. I thought, I thought it was very inspiring. She's just so well-spoken and um, just, she said she was super nervous. I didn't, I wouldn't, I would have never known she was nervous. She was Mm -hmm. great. It was great. Yeah. So we had a great time talking to her. What's been going on with you this week? Uh, Well, end of the year doctor stuff. I mean, like I, I, anyway, y'all don't want to hear about my woes, but I've got carpal tunnel, I think, and it's real bad. Um, In fact, I can barely feel my hands right now as we speak and I haven't been doing anything but sitting here recording this podcast. Um, So I'm going to the doctor for that tomorrow. Uh, But I have watched Maybe one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. Um, okay, what is it? And it's called Murder at the End of the World, and it's got it just got recommended to me this week. It's got Clive Owen, who may be my hall pass. <laughs> he is mm-mm, so 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 attractive. But um, anyway, it is such good storytelling. Like each episode, it ends, and I'm like, what? And and you think, like, you think you know who's done this or who's, you know, you sort of think you know what's going on and then they throw something else. But it's not like out of left field. It's just mm-hmm. uh, such good storytelling. I mean, it's made me want to write a thriller because it is so, um, I don't know, it's just got me on the edge of my seat. There's one more episode. So I, oh, I okay. too soon because they may blow it in the last episode, you know. <laughs> Up to this point, super good, super good. He has one more episode next week. So starting next week, you can watch them all. Yeah. But yeah, really. That's what I like to do. I I don't like to, I like to be able to binge it if I want. Yeah. So perfect timing. And somebody else recommended that to me as well. So I have to watch it now. It's really good. I, I, all the characters are um, interesting. And I mean, there are a couple of characters that I'm like, "Mm, are they in there? And if they turn out to be the murderer, I'm going to be real mad because they haven't really done much. Oh. But they, um, yeah, it, and it's set like in Iceland in this mm. compound that's pictured. 
as a luxury hotel, but it's really not just a luxury hotel. It's kind of a compound. And um, so the setting is really, it plays in, the setting is a character, really. Yeah, I love that. Very good example of how setting can be one of your characters. And so, um, yeah, it's great. Y'all should watch it. And we're just getting ready for Christmas around here. And uh, I have not... I have not done any shopping. Oh, my. Yeah, I know. Uh, you it's, like to live dangerously, don't you? I'm false. Um, I've kind of just not been thinking about it. I mean, you know, I've, I say that and I've decorated my whole house, but I've just sort of, I don't know. So I got to get on that this week um, and get that done. But, uh, yeah, that's me. Just okay. doing a little writing here and there when I get a chance. And, um Gonna, oh, and this is probably good. I didn't mention it to Claire, but tomorrow I'm being evaluated for ADHD. I'm 60 years old and I'm being evaluated for ADHD. So we'll see what they say. I just feel like, especially this last year, um, some things have come to light that I'm like, "Hmm, that is, uh, that's interesting. So uh, we'll see what they say and if there's anything that, you know, any sort of action they think I need to take, I'll I'll certainly try. And um, but yeah, so well that's that'll be interesting. And awesome. we'll see what happens. Um yeah, we haven't been I've been doing some writing, mm-hmm. um, not a whole lot, but I'm kind of getting back at it and it's slow going, but I'm enjoying it. Like mm-hmm. once I've finished my words for the day, <laughs> you know. I don't really enjoy like the start of it, but I like the finish of it. And then the other funny thing that has happened is we're getting Amazon packages. Like we've ordered stuff. Our families have ordered stuff Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. not everything has the gift wrap option. So we have, we have all these texts going back and forth. We're like, okay, this is addressed to me from Amazon, but did you possibly send it? Like you can't open it because it might be your present. So like we're matching up photos of delivery photos like okay is this your package or is this the package i ordered you know so yeah so it's kind of like uh i don't know what it's like like it's some sort of game that we're trying to match everything up the matching game i guess right i haven't really ordered anything in the last couple of weeks and i know my amazon guy thinks i've died because um they're unusual (laughs) but i just haven't really i don't know Yeah, well, there's yeah. always right now. Yeah, well. popping is not one of them. So, yeah. so, um, anyway, but we should get on with the interview because it was yes. really yes. And right, do we so, supporters? I forgot to ask. No, no new supporters this week. But you can always go support the podcast at wishi'dknownforwriters.com/support. Yeah. And thank you to everyone who is so faithfully supporting us. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, and we are getting in end of the year numbers from all the different, you know, Spotify and um, YouTube and everything. And y'all, it's just so encouraging to see how many people are listening to us. And we appreciate it so, so much. Yeah, and sharing the podcast. And it's fun to see Uh, all around the world where people are listening. We get a lot of shares on YouTube. I thought that was really, considering we don't show our faces. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so we'll probably have more like in January once uh, the year is actually complete. We'll get like the the full summary. So that'll be fun to see, too. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, we should get on with the interview. Should.
All right. So here's Claire. Well, we are super happy to talk to Claire Kohler today. Hi, Claire. How are you? I am doing great. I'm happy to be here. Nervous, but very happy to be here. Oh, uh, don't be nervous. <laughs> we're you've heard us before. We're pretty, pretty <laughs> relaxed. To be nervous about, yeah. <laughs> so let me read your bio and we'll get right into the questions. Claire is the author of the Scottish fantasy romance series Betwixt the Sea and the Shore. Or, start over because I added an extra word in there. I love that though. I, I do too. It. It's so pretty. Thank you. Okay. Claire is the author of the Scottish fantasy romance series Betwixt the Sea and Shore, and she is also an editor, tutor, and neurodiversity advocate. When she's not working, you'll find her chasing her two toddlers, binging Korean dramas, and leading Bible studies at her church. So we're so excited to talk to you today. Yes. How old are your toddlers? One just turned five and the other is two. Girl. So Mm. are you just tired all the time? That's what I remember (laughs) from those years. I'm very tired a lot of times. I fall asleep on the couch way too many nights of the week. (laughs) Good for you. Well, tell us how you got into writing. Yeah, so I'm one of many who has always loved writing ever since I was a child. I worked Mm -hmm. on lots of stories throughout middle and high school, but like many uh, ADHD folks, I struggled to finish any of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I wanted to pursue writing in college, but I was too scared to do that because it wasn't something that seemed like the most stable of careers. Uh, so I became a teacher instead. I taught English for two years. Um, and during that time, well, in a middle school classroom for two years. And during that time, my husband actually encouraged me to pick writing back up again because I had stopped and was just focused on the teaching. Uh, that was back in 2016. So I started what became the first book in my series in 2016. Then between getting distracted at times and feeling like I was never going to finish it and moving and having a baby and changing jobs and things like that. I didn't actually finish the book until February, 2021. Yeah. But I didn't know anything about publishing at the time. So I tried to go the traditional route. I didn't have any connections though. Didn't know what I was doing there. So it was not successful. Uh, So I decided to go the indie route and publish that first book in August of 2021 and liked it so much that I kept going. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. I think it's great that you didn't stop. You kept going. And I love that your husband encouraged you to keep to do it. I just think that that's amazing. And I know you know how fortunate you are to have a husband. The three of us are are very fortunate because there are a lot of people who's spouses don't support them. So I love that. Shout out to him. Yes, definitely. I'm very appreciative, especially since he doesn't even like reading at all. Mine either. either. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're not those two people that have people who are spouses who like read the books and Mm -hmm. some people, you know, their spouse reads them, corrects them Mm -hmm. and gives feedback. So that's not us, but we still appreciate the support we've got. Right. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what is your definition of success? Uh, Well, for me in writing and life, it's just doing what I believe God's calling me to do. But 
right now, I would say that's creating stories that I'm proud of, uh, mm-hmm. stories that don't just entertain readers, but also inspire them and make them feel less alone and mm-hmm. remind them that they have value. Um, that's something that I always struggled with was knowing my value and just I want other people to recognize that they have value too. That's great. I love that. That's so, I I don't know if we've had that. I know. I was thinking we always get different answers on this question and I just love the variety. And I love that one that it's, it's tied to you, but it's also helping people, your Mm -hmm. readers. So I Mm -hmm. think it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, Look, Sarah used a great word, fantastic. I use great all the time. If someone went through and counted how many times I said great, <laughs> it would be a lot. Um, what do you wish you knew about writing and craft when you started? Okay, for this one, this question, I would say that it's knowing that there's always so much more room to grow. Um, mm-hmm. I had a great idea for a story starting out. But there was way more to learn than just having a great story. There's so much more to it than that. There's tightening dialogue, enhancing descriptions, reducing repetition. So many things you can do to improve your writing, Right. which I did end up going back to that first book and making a bunch of improvements. And I'm sure that I could keep doing that, but I'd rather keep writing new novels than just making the first one perfect. I think that's wise. That is... Super wise. I mean, I think if it had like tons and tons of mistakes, that'd be one thing. But if you're happy with it and you can move on, I think I think that's a wise decision. Because we could always go back and just keep yeah. going over that first novel yeah, again, right. and again and yeah. again. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. when you're doing edits on the current book, it's like you could keep editing it forever, right? Because there's always yep. room to improve. So, so at <laughs> some point you have to cut it off and say. Moving on. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, what about marketing? What do you wish you'd known about marketing? Mm, I made a lot of mistakes with this starting <laughs> out. I was so excited uh, that I jumped in headfirst, not knowing what I was doing when I only had one book out and spent a bunch of money on paid ads. Mm. Not the greatest idea. So mm. I wasted a lot of money on things that didn't pan out. So I wish I'd been more conservative when I'd started. Right. I wish I had focused on finding my target audience before mm-hmm. I spent money in places where my audience wasn't even at. Right. So, yeah. That, yeah that's, that's a good answer. Yeah. That's tough because Jamie can speak to this more than I because she's done more ads. But, like, it takes money to find your target audience, right? To find mm-hmm. that right group of people, right? Yeah, it does take a good bit of money. For me, I spent a lot of time on Facebook ads starting out and then realized a lot of my demographic target audience isn't even on Facebook primarily. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't the best use of my time. Um, I may go back to it eventually, but for right now, I'm focused on other areas instead. Do you want to share some of those that you focus on now? Uh, Right now, uh, primarily I'm on TikTok and Instagram for... (laughs) that um, most of my author community, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Most of my work that I'm doing there is focused on finding other authors and building community. Yeah. On TikTok, it's more of finding the readers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So are your books, are they clean? Are they clean Scottish? 
romance or are they? Uh, they are, uh, they're clean. Uh, it's fantasy romance. It's set in 18th century Scotland. Um, mm-hmm. So it's set in the real world, right. but there are fantasy elements in it. Okay. Okay. That's great. That's kind of, um, you don't hear about using TikTok for uh-uh. that type of category, I think, as much. I'm sure that there's every type of author on TikTok. How there do you is. find TikTok is helping you with that type of category? Yeah, it is it is easier if you write spicy books <laughs> on TikTok, but there is still a big audience on there that wants to read non-spicy books as well. Yeah. And I love that. I love that you're not, because a lot of people, myself included, will say, mm, my books, they don't fit that category because my books, while I do have sex on the page, are not super, super spicy. And so I have caught myself more than once. I mean, I enjoy TikTok because I'm a big ham and I just like to do stuff like that on there. But um, I sort of have low expectations because I'm like, oh, my books don't. But I love that you have thought, you know what, there are a lot of people on this app. I'm going to find my Mm -hmm. audience. And I, I admire that because I think I have just sort of given up on that a little bit. So you might have inspired me to keep looking. Um, so our next question is, um, what's the most, no, sorry. What assumptions did you make at the beginning of your writing career? And looking back, did they turn out to be right or wrong? Okay, so this is one where my answer is going to match a lot of people's answers because (laughs) I was one of those people who thought I would be an overnight success just because I put the book out there. Yeah. Yeah. I thought everyone would love it. Um, And it is great, um, but it's not something everyone loves. And I should have known that because I have a husband who doesn't read books. So obviously not everyone will love my book. Right. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so. That definitely turned out to be wrong, um, but that is okay. I've learned since then to just focus on finding the people that would like books like that rather than trying to reach everyone. Mm. That's so smart. So smart. See, you, even if you make a mistake, you can turn it around and mm-hmm. just learn from that. And um, because, you know, again, it's about finding those right readers, mm-hmm. which is hard. You know, I mean, that is hard, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's. But I would think that once your readers find your books, because I feel like it's a a smaller niche, maybe I don't really I'm not. It is a smaller one. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like that, like the people who love the books in smaller niches, that there aren't as many of them. They're super passionate about them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I would think that once you find your readers, then you're set. Right. You Mm -hmm. can you know where they are and how to reach them, how to talk to them. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, what is the most important lesson you've learned? Uh, I would say the importance of community. I tried to do everything on my own in the beginning, and I made a lot of mistakes. Mm. I've learned a lot since reaching out to other authors, and it's led to a lot of growth in my business and just a lot more joy being able to share something with other people that are in the same boat, mm-hmm. that's something that is really important. So how did you connect with other um, authors? Because this is a question that we hear a lot is how do I make author friends? So how did mm-hmm. you do it? 
Well, uh, one thing that I did starting out was after I found my cover designer, I reached out to someone who had a similar cover and just sent them an email. And they were nice enough to respond to my email. And she gave me a bunch of resources that uh, eventually led me to getting in touch with some other authors. I joined some Facebook groups that some other authors were in, which also helped with connecting. Nice. Yeah. Sometimes it's just small things. Like you try one thing and that works or you try something and it didn't. You just keep going, keep, um, keep reaching out, I guess. Yes. That's something that can be very intimidating, very scary starting out, but no is not the end of the world. No response is not the end of the world. And eventually someone's going to respond if you keep trying. Right. And it's not personal. I mean, if you think about how busy you are in your life or the the crazy things that go on in your life and how distracted you are with other things and how hard it is to just get your work done. Well, it's the same. The same is true for a lot of other people. And so if they don't respond or they say, no, they can't do that. It's not personal. It's 90% of the time, probably 98% of the time. It's because they just have other things going on and, uh, or they, they don't feel comfortable reaching out, you know, with other people. And so just keep trying, just keep trying. Now there are those 2% of, you know, <laughs> those people. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't need to talk about those people. <laughs> we don't need to talk. Well, um, my, sorry, my phone keeps, that's where my questions are. Hang on a minute. What's the biggest change you've had to make in your thinking? Probably needing to slow down. Remember that it's a marathon, not a sprint, that I'm learning and growing, and it doesn't have to be at the speed of anybody else. Uh, As somebody with ADHD, my mind tends to work as a sprinter. I am awesome at jumping in head first (laughs) and wanting to do all the things, Mm -hmm. sometimes to my own detriment. But that is not how this career works. When you want it to be a career, you have to go at a pace that is sustainable Mm -hmm. and you have to make sure that you're staying healthy in all aspects of your life rather than pouring too much energy and time into just one thing. Mm. So true. Yeah. Yeah. You're really hitting it out of the park today with your wisdom. Uh, That is. (laughs) Thank you. That I mean, that is. Yeah, that's me. I mean, you know, I just want to jump in and I just want to do it. And then I realize I'm so overwhelmed and mm-hmm. uh, maybe don't know exactly what I'm doing. Uh, so I think that it's um, easy to to not. Rem- I hate that phrase. It's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> but but it is super true. I mean, it is probably the truest uh, thing about this business because it just it just is. Yep, I wish it wasn't, but that's just how it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you were starting over today, would there be anything that you would do differently? Well, I thought about this question. I thought about what I wish I could have done differently, but yeah. I know that <laughs> some of it I just don't have the patience for. Yeah. Um, I wish I could have written out my whole first series and rapid released it but I know that I can't wait that long especially if I'm excited about something Mm -hmm. so that's not possible um 
But what I could have done is if I'd had a consistent writing routine starting out, I think that would have helped a lot. I'm not a super fast writer. It takes me over a year to write each book, but writing consistently does help it take not quite so long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and it's like, I don't know that, like, I look at back and think, oh, it would have been so great if I had banked those books and I could have released them mm-hmm. all, you know, a couple months apart or a couple weeks apart. But if you're excited about a series and or excited about the book you've written, maybe that's a better time to release it when you're excited mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. like letting that kind of fade over time. You yeah, can really lean into re- promoting that one book, right? I don't really regret it either because even though maybe it would have made me more money, I feel like those were things that I needed to do in order to grow and get to the place I am now. So I don't regret it. Right. Now, are your books, um, are they research heavy or they, because they're fantasy, I wasn't sure how. Yes, they are research heavy, which is so fun. Uh, (laughs) Except I can go down a a rabbit hole there and end up researching so much that I am not writing anymore. (laughs) Um, Yes, but I tried to make them as realistic as possible so that the jump from reality to fantasy was really easy. Um, And since it's a historical time period, I wanted to make it feel authentic to that period that it's set in. Yeah, I feel your pain on that, on the... the (laughs) The, the excitement and the interest of learning something and discovering something. And sometimes I'll find mm-hmm. something that I'll actually use later. A lot of times it's just, wow, this is very cool. And I don't ever <laughs> use it again, which is probably yeah. not the best use of my time. So I understand. That. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, in your bio, you say you're an advocate for neurodi- neurodiversity. And that is because you have autism and ADHD. Is that correct? Yes, I was formally diagnosed with ADHD when I was 12. I wasn't diagnosed with autism until formally until much later, but my dad is a doctor. So I have known about it. I just didn't pursue diagnosis until later on in life. Well, um, how has, how have those two things impacted your writing career? This is a question that I could answer all day long. (laughs) um, There's so much involved in this um, because this is just, this is, who I am. This is just the way I live my life. So everything I do is impacted by this because this is just how my brain works. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm just going to try to hit a few highlights of it. Um, So there are positives and negatives of it Mm -hmm. um, because I don't consider it something that's just a deficit. There are definite strengths as well. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So some of the positives would be that writing is one of my special interests. So it's something that I love to research. I have studied writing craft and self-publishing extensively. Um, Mm -hmm. And having great attention to detail certainly has helped to make my novels feel more authentic, more immersive. Um, Another thing would be uh, my hyperfocus, which is a trait that autistic and ADHD people share, which can be both positive and negative. Um, if the words are flowing, then I can keep going without stopping for a very long time. And it is awesome. It is so much fun. <laughs> On the flip side, I may forget that I need to eat or drink water because I don't have as much awareness on my own of mm. those things. 
Mm-hmm. Um, having little kids helps though because they have to eat. So that reminds me that I need to eat too. Uh, so that's been helpful. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> the kids um, have a way of invading your your space and making sure that they're taken care of, which probably yes, is helpful. Thank you. It is it is helpful, and I appreciate it, even though. At times, I don't appreciate it, too, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. totally. yeah. We're both um, mothers. Yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing on the negative side probably would be that I'm sure I've lost a lot of potential readers simply because of being open about being neurodivergent. Um, hmm. They probably think that there's no way that they could relate to the characters that I write or mm-hmm. that maybe they wouldn't like the story that I've written because there's still a lot of ignorance surrounding neurodiversity surrounding ADHD and autism um and just the fact that I've faced a lot of social rejection that has made it hard at times to reach out Mm -hmm. to do things um reaching out to other authors bookstores putting my face on camera or even talking on this podcast those are all things that take a lot of extra courage that um, a lot of people that are normal or neurotypical, they may take for granted. Um, it's It takes a lot of effort to work myself up to do certain things. Mm-hmm. But that can be hard. Um, yeah. But I'm going to share one more positive thing, though, because I don't want to leave it on a negative note. And um, that's that I've been able to help a lot of people by sharing about my experiences. Um, and I specifically write tips for ADHD authors and autistic authors because I haven't seen anybody else doing that and I just I wanted to be able to help them feel less alone and just take the things that I've learned over time and use them to encourage them to reach for their dreams and not be held back um, because it is possible and that's one of the reasons I wanted to come on the podcast was to just help them feel like it is possible. You can write a book. (laughs) If you have ADHD, you can write a book if you're autistic and you can do a great job at it. I was going to say, and you can write a good book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So those are things that uh, I would say for that question. And the last thing I would say too, though, is that I'm hoping that what I'm doing will also inspire my, my kids who are also neurodivergent to chase their dreams too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm got a little teary on that one. That was <laughs> that is awesome. And I hope that our audience, I mean, because I think, you know, depending on how you grew up, if you grew up in a in a, an environment that was real accepting of your neurodivergency, then then it may not be quite as hard. But if you didn't, it could be really hard. And if they've suffered, you know, rejection. Like you said, that could be super hard. So I, I hope this encourages people and um, and to to do more or to speak out. If you're listening and you've just been putting words on a page, but you haven't thought about like pursuing this, then you definitely can. You yes, definitely can. Yeah. yeah, and you have a lot of tips on your website because I was kind of browsing around earlier and. You have a lot on there, a lot of like short blog posts about neurodivergency and and kind of how to you like like you're saying use that as your strength in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and just very interesting. Tons of information there if people are interested and want to learn more 
definitely check that out. I would say. I've really, you know, because just not knowing um, a whole lot of people growing up, I didn't because I grew up, you know, in the seventies and um, just not really knowing a lot of people that were autistic or ADHD or anything, you know, I mean, I probably knew them, but that wasn't a label or anything. I've been pretty um, not very well educated about, but I have been trying to uh, learn more. And to me, I see it as a superpower in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. I just think the way that um, some most, but the the autistic people that I know look at the world is so fascinating and it's so much more, I don't know, technicolor than the way I look at it <laughs> in a lot of ways. And I think it's a superpower, but well, we thank you. Friend, <laughs> it we definitely have has strength. Has <laughs> autism. I love him and I love the way he sees the world and sees his potential and other people. And it's mm-hmm. amazing. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's definitely something that it's got its strengths. I don't want to discount the weaknesses though, too. There mm-hmm. are a lot of those as well. And sure. I, I can't speak for everybody, but I would say that for me, the the weakness is really it's well a lot of it's just because we live in an environment that's not made with right. my brain in mind um so mm-hmm. it's not made for people who might get overwhelmed when you are in the middle of the supermarket because there are so many people i avoid the supermarket a lot of times because it can get overwhelming when there are lots of people around and so there are definite struggles, but I would not, at least for myself and for my husband, who's also autistic and my children, I would not call it something that's just a deficit either. It's pluses and minuses, and you just figure out how to make it work for you. Mm -hmm. And you can succeed and do really well if you do that. Well, speaking of that, you've already touched on this a little bit, like how you have used, how you modify like your writing so that like you can write with like ADHD. So how do you have any other things that you wish you'd known about writing with, with having a ADHD or autism that maybe would be helpful for helpful for other people to hear? Mm, The biggest thing probably is just the lack of self-confidence. I think Uh, just knowing that you don't have to have a normal brain in order to write books that people love. And you don't have to be this one way in order to have characters that they can relate to. And the themes in my books are things like self-doubt and struggling to be authentic and not fitting in. And everybody can relate to that. Absolutely. It may look a little different depending on who you are, but these are universal things for people. So just recognizing that, yes, there. Yes, I'm different from other people, but I'm not that different. <laughs> there are still things that are going to be the same that are universal. So being brave enough to put yourself out there is just, that's the biggest thing I would say probably for neurodivergent people. Yeah. Good advice for all mm-hmm. of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah, well, Speaking of that, you reached out because I'd mentioned um, I'd watched The Extraordinary Attorney Wu on the podcast. I mentioned that a while back. And um, so let's talk a little bit about 
just neurodivergent representation in media. Um, what were your feelings about the, so I guess we should say Extraordinary Attorney Wu is about an attorney who has autism. It's a K-drama and it really does delve into like her being seen as like, not like everybody else. And mm-hmm. I liked it because it was like, I could identify with that because we've all felt like, oh, we didn't fit. So mm-hmm. it kind of explored those themes. So what were your thoughts on that? Looking at it from maybe whether or not it's a good representation of neurodivergency. Oh, I, I loved it. I have, I have never felt so seen, I think, in oh, that's media amazing. Yeah. as I did then. Uh, some of the autistic traits that she displayed were more pronounced than um, than would be true for my life. And uh, so that some of it, they may have put in a few more than what might be typical for what you will see in autistic people. But I think they overall did a great job of making her uh, not a one dimensional character and showing mm-hmm. that she had emotions and that she had empathy, because that's a big thing that a lot of people think is that autistic people don't have empathy. And it's just simply not true. It may not manifest in the way that you're expecting. Um, You may not be able to tell by my facial expression always if I am empathizing with something going on, but that doesn't mean that it's not going on internally. So I really appreciated the way that they portrayed her in that. It was, it was very well done. Well, are there other neurodivergent characters in media that you feel are well drawn as well? It's very hard to find them, honestly. Yeah. I've, I've struggled to find them. Um, a TV show that I really like, uh, The Chosen, it's it's a Bible TV show. Um, mm-hmm. There's a character named Matthew, and he is autistic, and I love his character so much. Mm-hmm. I, I relate so much. Um, but there's also some characters that I would argue are neurodivergent, even though the term didn't exist when the character was made. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorites would be Sherlock Holmes. There's a lot of autistic traits, Mm -hmm. even though at the time that it was written, that was not a term. I mean, autism, the first diagnosis wasn't until 1943. Oh, really? Yes. The first person who ever got diagnosed only just died this year. So it's it's not a label that's been around for very long. No, not at all. Wow. I did not know that. So, yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, um, there is another show. It's a French detective show called Astrid and it has a neurodivergent character and I really enjoyed that show it's um and it is about like her becoming a a detective basically she works in the records department and she joins forces with this um detective to help solve crimes and I mean I just loved it so and when I was watching Extraordinary Attorney Wu I was like oh this is like a street, but in South Korea. So interesting. How do you spell that? I want to write it's, this down so I can watch it um, too. It's um, A-S-T-R-I-D. And Jamie's heard all about this. Okay. She probably likes a street again. <laughs> I've watched it. I've watched it. Her partner is a lot like me. Yeah. Kind of and so you can yeah. imagine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, well, thanks. It's um, always nice to find some new things that have represent representation of that in them. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure there's more that we haven't mm-hmm. touched on. Um, maybe people can put it in the group if they have more suggestions. Mm-hmm. That might That'd be, be great. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, what advice do you have um, for writers who want to include neurodivergent characters? If we're not neurodivergent, but we want to include that. Or should we? 
I mean, should we even include it if we're not neurodivergent? Well, I would say, yes, if you want to do that, that is amazing. And I applaud you for wanting to do that because it's great to have more, mm-hmm. in, more in the books that we are reading and normalizing this because mm-hmm. one to, the estimates are that one to two percent globally are autistic. I don't know the or no. Yes, that's what it is. I don't know what the percentage is for ADHD, right. um, but that's a lot of people. And I just I want to see more people mm-hmm. like that in the books that we're reading. So, yes, please do. I would caution against writing a book that's about the neurodivergent experience if you're not, because there are so many nuances involved that it would be very difficult to do that well. Mm -hmm. And you're just going to invite a lot of hate. Mm -hmm. There are going to be a lot of angry people, even if you do a good job. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would not shy away from including them in the stories. Right. I would say do a lot of research Mm -hmm. to avoid stereotypes and misrepresenting people. There are so many differences between different neurodivergent people. Um, my husband and I, even though he's autistic, we are very different from each other. It's, it would be like saying, um, you guys are both from the same country, so you must both be the same. Uh, definitely not. (laughs) Um, so recognizing that there are differences and if you can talk to someone directly who is neurodivergent, that's what I would always say is going to be the best thing to do because you can't get a better source than that. Um, there is some bad information out there. So I would be careful when you're doing research. There's a lot of just, there's a lot of negativity and a lot of things that we've been told over the years that people are now starting to realize isn't actually true. Mm-hmm. Um, so being careful about where you get your research is good. Uh, if you want to get a sensitivity reader for it, um, that's something that would be a great idea as well. Right. Very good. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, since we talked about extraordinary attorney Wu, we have, I have to ask you personally, <laughs> this is a question for me so I can <laughs> add to my, my to be watched list. So let's talk about K dramas for at least a little bit. Um, do you have, what are your top recommendations? Do you have any standouts that you would recommend? Cause I feel like K dramas have excellent storytelling and I've mm-hmm. learned a lot about storytelling by watching K dramas. And I've only been watching them for a couple of months. So they are awesome. <laughs> I've been watching them for over 10 years now. They are mm-hmm. wonderful. Uh, and I, yes, I even got my husband to enjoy them. So that's been mm-hmm. fun, nice. <laughs> but I would say, uh, some of my top ones, um, there's one on Netflix called the King's affection. It's actually got okay. the same actress as the one in attorney Wu, So it's really neat to see her in a totally different role. So that one's awesome. It's historical. Um, also goblin is a fantasy one. That one's very good. Uh, I can hear your voice is very good. That's one with attorneys as well. That one's great. And if you want a, an adorable romantic comedy, I'm not a robot. That one's fun. Oh, I love that one. I've I heard people talk about that and I'm like, I would never have watched so, it because so of the cute. title, but it's very, <laughs> yes. very touching. And mm-hmm. yeah. And that one, I, I thought it was so interesting because you got to see all the characters. They all had a, a storyline. They all had an arc. 
Mm-hmm. And it just like inspired me to like make sure all my characters have have a change, have a slight change throughout the yes. story. And it's just very good. Yeah. I really liked that one. Yeah. Well, cool. That's great. All right. So I've added to my list here. I'm uh, I'm happy now. Yeah. <laughs> well, it has been just awesome to have you here. And we love to ask people um when they're here, what's the best thing you think you've done to set yourself up for success? I would say for that one, it's just refusing to accept defeat, even when things get difficult. I've had to pivot many times, <laughs> marketing, branding, lots of things, <laughs> but I didn't give up. And because of not giving up, I have seen fruit mm-hmm. from all of the work that I put in. So that's the best thing I would say that I've done. I think as an indie author, your pivoting foot is tired. Uh, <laughs> if it's not, you're not doing something right. Yeah. We do a lot of pivoting. We should be we should yeah. be really good at it actually, but now exactly. Yeah. Well, where can people find out more about you? So my website is ClaireKohlerBooks.com and that's C-L-A-I-R-E-K-O-H-L-E-R books. Um and I'm also on Instagram at Claire Kohler Books and TikTok with the same name, too. Perfect. Thank you for being here. This has really been wonderful. I've learned something. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Yeah, we've really enjoyed talking to you. So we'll have all those notes or all those links in the show notes. And those will be at wishiknownforwriters.com. And if you want to support the podcast, you can go to that same link slash support. And we will see everybody next week. Thanks to Alexa Larberg for editing and producing the podcast and Adriel Wiggins for doing the admin. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.